On the north side of Chicago It's the coolest bar in town And if you go up there You better just beware You're gonna find a bunch of clowns It's a mad, mad, crazy bar The whole damn place is just so bizarre Full of all the vice and sin where do we even begin? Tip your bartender. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Pub Crawl Liz. Hey is for horses. I like horses. Um, with, with the genius, you, like you can hear the genius. Do you like them sexually? You know what, gay, oh, you know what gay horses eat? Hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, we've got a clown here, and... We have a very special guest. It's a podcast favorite, back by popular demand. We have the one and only Andy Shaw tonight. Andy, thanks for joining us. Wonderful to be here. I don't think I'm, I'm the one and only. Uh, when I Google myself, I find another Andy well, Shaw you're, who's you're, head of a music no, group. Notice of some he refuses sort. to put his headset on, and only for vanity purposes. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. Back on. You're uh, you're our one and only Andy. I'm our one. Yeah, our, our, our bar, neighborhood, our cities. I'm the only one in town. I think that's right. You're the only Andy Shaw in Chicago. Well, I'm the only Andy Shaw that you, you guys okay, would let's, let's invite. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. You're the Andy well, Shaw. When I, no, when I introduce him now, I said this used to be Andy Shaw. <laughs> Bruce has never forgiven me for leaving the ABC7 news no. world, especially he, at, at the, the wrong time. At the most inopportune time of the... He was tight with Barack. We've got... Blago was going down. Everything was happening. And well, listen. For the, for the poor souls who have not yet listened to all of our podcasts, why don't we quickly just give everybody a brief summary of Andy, of what you, your career and, and what you've done, just real quickly to remind people, um, and then we'll get into some chatting about uh, God knows what. Sure. Uh, this, the, the quick summary, uh, lifelong Chicagoan, but spent my formative years in Evanston, Illinois, while Bruce was in Upper's Grove, I was in Evanston playing along the lakefront. Took me five colleges to finally get a degree. Which which colleges? Uh, started at Colgate University, a quasi Ivy League school in the middle of New York State. Then went to the University of Wisconsin. Why, why did you leave Colgate? Uh, it was a men's school in the '60s. Need I say more? Okay. <laughs> anyway, then I went to the University of Wisconsin for a semester, where I met my lovely wife Mary. We've been together 50 years now. We all have Whoa. our fifth. 50 years, only 47 married, but we've been together 50 years. Met her at the University and, of Wisconsin. And, and wow. It, now, do we count that one-year gap, which uh, I'm the only person that seems to be able to remember? Uh, oh good God. point. I think, I, should I subtract it? I'll have no, to. No, no, you should, should subtract. not subtract no, it. That's a subtract. No. He, right. was, he, was chasing, shapes, he, he was chasing tail that year. It that shapes was. the 50. And then... Then, when it, then I spent the rest of my I spent most of the rest of my life uh, in the journalism world, City News Bureau, Chicago Sun Times, Channel Five, Channel Seven, and then nine years heading a watchdog organization called the Better Government Association, which earned me the nickname Goo Goo from Bruce in the blogs. And for the past year, I have been retired doing some nonprofit work, trying to help some folks with uh, 
reform efforts, offered my services to the new mayor of Chicago, the new governor of Illinois, but at this moment, uh, neither of them have taken advantage of my vast experience. So they're, here I am. They're lunatics for not taking advantage of that. I mean, if anyone was around in Chicago during the 80s uh, and you turned on the TV, Andy was on TV reporting about politics and that's one of my that's one of my childhood memories I think I, I think I said this the last time we did the podcast uh, I was very fortunate I went to Channel 7 and began with the city hall beat the year Harold Washington was elected yes yeah, and so here I walk into the best political story in local history at the time maybe you want to argue that Jane no, Burns election I, was better no 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 Harold was Harold, and he, Harold's without a doubt the greatest political figure of my Chicago lifetime. Well, and so I'm covering council wars uh, at a time when we did six, seven minutes at four and five minutes at six and five minutes at ten. And so, of course, I was all over the airwaves for a couple of years. And that was a nice place to be with an enormous story. And it cemented my my stature at Channel 7, which I rode happily for the next decade. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Actually, the next two decades. And um, you have a wonderful family, and your children, your girls, went on to be incredibly successful, and Kate followed in your footsteps, in a sense, uh, covering politics. Yeah, I consider myself blessed for reasons I've never fully understood. Most people give I, my wife credit. I think that's a fair assessment. You're, you're, <laughs> oh we, we you, ended, you gave your wife the resources to be a great mom. And I think that's right. And we ended up with three very successful uh, women. They're great moms. They're professional women. They're all doing really well. And they've given us seven grandchildren. And so we're having a great time. And my oldest, Kate, who's a law school professor in New York, is now also an ABC consultant on legal matters, and she's been very busy through the Mueller report and the impeachment in the House, and I think she'll be busy with the Senate trial, unless it's a 15-minute trial. We have to see what Mitch McConnell does. But she plans to be busy next week, and so I'm going to go out and help her with her three kids. With my, my main job right now is uh, is being a grandfather, which yeah. is fun. Both uh, both parents are going to be busy next week with all this nonsense. Well, right. Happening. So Mary's Mary's busy Ooh. taking helping Emily with our three-week-old grandson Max, and I'll be busy in New York with Kate's three older children. So it's 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 really satisfying, very fulfilling, uh, not quite as uh, stressful intellectually as the old news days, but lots of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Emily's working on the new Barack. Uh, um, the foundation, right? Right. Museum. So Kate's a law professor who's doing ABC work and also a lot of legal conferences and legal writing. Elizabeth, our middle daughter, is, is the CEO of a chain of charter schools here in Chicago. It's called Chicago International Charter School, CICS. She has 14 schools and 9,000 kids under her. And Emily is in, Emily's in charge of digitizing all of Barack Obama's written material from his presidential years in concert with the National Archive. She's overseeing the digitization, which is the largest digital project of any president because, of course, he was eight years in right. the center of the digital age. Bush was in the, in the end of that. And so the only question now is where's the library going to be? Because where's, where's, where's the written material going to be? Because it will not be in the presidential center in Hyde Park. It'll be somewhere else. They'll have to have an archive center for the written material, but it'll all be easily accessed digitally 
with a very careful index, and that's what you're working on. So it's 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 all fun. That's a, that's actually a, a really big issue for anyone um, studying history and, and, and sort of doing any sort of research. Because a lot of times when when I'm looking at things, the number one issue is why isn't this shit digitized? And it makes the work so much so hard because you spend half the time looking and looking and looking, and finally you go down this rabbit hole, you find something else. Anyway, it turns into this big mess. And digitization projects all over museums all over the country and the world are actually a major endeavor, and people are actually looking for a lot of funding for that thing. So that so the fact that they're actually looking ahead at this is, is really exciting to hear. But, you know, this has been very controversial, the fact that there's going to be a digitization of all of his written material. And I think Emily told me it's something like 90 million pieces of emails, texts, and written mm -hmm. material, or 90 million pages, some enormous amount. It's controversial because a lot of presidential scholars would rather go into a room yeah. and be consumed by all this actual paper and written material. I think there's a lot of concern that people who are going to study the Obama years will not have access to the actual written versions of it. I think that's a little old-fashioned because the digitization is going to give you the same material, but I think there's some, there's some old-line historians that would rather sit in a room and have it all in written form. So the fact that there's no actual library planned for the Obama Center, other than a public library branch, right. is controversial. But Obama stands by that. He's the first fully digital president. And I think you're right. I think that going through indexed digital archives is going to be a lot easier for most people. And all yeah. of us will have access to it. We can get into this material without having to sit for 12 hours in that's, a I mean, it's a, a game room. changer when you're, you know, trying to put some sort of a book or something together because you truly just spend, I would say, maybe 75% of your time just looking, 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 looking for stuff. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, when I, when I was going to the University of California, I loved having access to the stacks because when you go and look for a book, all of a I sudden agree. you just bump into, whoa, whoa, what's this? I mean, you're kind of, just by accident, you just keep finding more stuff, and it's great. Listen, I'm, I'm, I love these actual documents as well. Like and, it, and it, 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 it's very, it's very powerful to be around these pieces of paper. I'm the kind of person where I still have to have an actual book. I, I've tried doing, you know, digital books, and I actually still love having the actual book. Well, Bruce and I are dinosaurs. <laughs> we're seventy plus, and so we're book people. And I love, I read almost everything in book form. Interestingly enough, yes. books. Bruce's novel, uh, the Dung Beat. Oh, the he read that. He's the only. Uh, you, <laughs> I read all, all my creepy friends. Andy's the only. See, Andy's intellectually curious, unlike all my other asshole friends. I, I read it beginning to end on online because Liz, I think you sent it to me as a word document. The only problem Correct. with reading it is. Whenever I stopped for the day and I came back the next day, I had to go back. You couldn't mark your place. Right. So I was back at the very beginning, and I'd have to scroll down. And the further into the book I got, the more scrolling I did. But I will tell you, I had fully intended not to like it. <laughs> not because I don't value Bruce's writing, but I, val I, I just assumed, you know, he blogs and he... He's a raconteur verbally, but writing a fictional, writing a long piece of fiction is, is hard. I've been thinking of doing it, and I haven't had the discipline or the drive yet to sit down and do it, and I have a couple books inside of me, and yet he actually, I think, pulled off a really entertaining 
book that I just, I read start to finish. I was going to read a few pages, tell him how much I loved it, and then hope he never asked me for details. But I read start to end, and I loved the final, I loved it at the very end when... Uh, Wait, I haven't finished it yet. Oh, so don't she tell you? Got, no, she only did one, one okay, chapter. Okay, Andy, Andy, Andy. The end sets up a sequel, uh, which may or may not ever happen, oh. but, but, but you could easily... The, he's, the character... Uh, Angelie Lockenbar. Yeah, the, the Scot, with the Scottish name. The character, who's compelling and interesting, could easily come back for a second book. It wouldn't have to have dung beetles in it. could have anything else, but I, I found it very entertaining. And... Well researched, the parts in Somalia, the pirates, and uh, the time on the boat. I just thought there were there were a lot of things in it that I didn't think were part of Bruce's um, intellectual scope, which it showed he did a lot of work. Um, and the the like the donkey show in um, Tijuana. Uh, the book was understandably prurient, matching closely Bruce's sensibility or lack of same. And yes, there were some parts there that would probably make it X-rated or double X-rated in some bookstores, and if they made a movie out of it, it would probably be shown at the old Clark Theater for a bunch of guys who are covered up with raincoats as they watch it. But I did find it entertaining. And I, I got, I got I that sense in chapter one. Uh, well, you know, there's good sex scenes, as there are in lots of novels. Yeah. Bruce carries it a little further with the donkey act. Um, but I don't think he belabored that. I think no, that was no. It was it was, it was not uh, forced. It was part of the story. And I think that the, the bad guys got what they deserved, and uh, and Ainsley came out fine at the end. And I no, just thought I, would, it was, I wouldn't say he came out fine. Well, I mean, he was screwed up top to bottom. Had a lot of issues. <laughs> I'm not sure they reflect Bruce's issues. He refuses no, to you disclose. Think a, is, you think this is a slight? reflection on his actual life, like a little no. bit of an autobiography. Well, the first thing Andy sense. asked me was, Bruce, have you had a penile implant? <laughs> he said, no comment or something something like I that. I said, I I'm not going, yeah, I'm not going to answer that Well, question. the penile implant was a nice device, but what happens later to that implant and the character no, no, himself. Careful, 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 careful. It's, there's, some, there's some crushing blows in the book, to say the least. And uh, I thought that was part of the entertainment value. Um, whether Ainsley, and Ainsley, by the way, is from Evanston, just like Andy. Oh. Right, but I don't. I'm hoping he wasn't modeled after me. I'm, well, you're, I'm thinking you're not that Ainsley maybe was part. like a, a nice mashup of a, a bunch of characters. Right, I think there's some Bruce there, but he also yeah. had. You're, you, I think you're in the book. I think I'm, you're I'm, mentioned. And some uh, of the other characters in the Yale House oh, are mentioned. No, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm a character in the book. I'm not the. You're a character. Ruben's in the book, and uh, John Fox. And I think a couple of the bartenders by name, and it was isn't Liz there? I'm trying to think of Liz. No, her name is. He used my it, last name because it's, she's that's a bat. That's right. Yeah. There's a Garibay character. Yeah. That's right. So it's derivative in H some Hortense, ways. Hortense, Hortense Garibay from uh, Tijuana. But I would say that <laughs> that's your real name. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, Hortense. I actually I enjoyed it and I I read it. I, I, once I started, I wanted to finish it, and that's the mark of any good piece of fiction. You want to read so the whole book. You started out by saying you fully expected not to like it. Did you think that before you picked it up, or well, after like a, one or two chapters? I don't mean I don't mean that disrespectfully. No, I understand I mean, that's human what, nature. What, no, yeah. no, it wasn't that I didn't think. It's not that I'm devaluing Bruce's. Uh, talents. I just didn't think that his 
talents extended to the capacity to write a, a compelling work of fiction, and he did. I mean, you, I, I did have a couple of bits of feedback, but that was just my personal peak. You know, I thought some of the soliloquies matched the soliloquies in his blog, where he kind of makes up the narrative of a conversation with somebody, and it takes on a level of pomposity that could be objectionable but that to was some. Part, that was his personality, though, and if you recall, so, and, and interesting, most of the other key figures, uh, the CIA guys and the uh, drug enforcement were all gay. And the, also, the man that was writing the, uh, a book, his pal Heath Ledger, who was from Oak Park. Heath and, Ledger is his name? No, no, Heath... Um, Oh wait, the hell. Heath no. Ledger was an is an actor. No, right? no, I might no. He's oh, a dead Heath, one now. No, Heath Bland. Heath Bland is the character, and he they have a quarrel, a bit of a quarrel, on an airplane about the fact that um, well, Ainsley accuses Heath of said, "Would you please? Not, I have a hangover. Would you please not use your girly girly voice?" And then he goes, "Would you please not use your pompous Sir Lancelot voice?" Yeah, they're, the characters are all aware of their it, affectations. And it's a send-up. Uh, people don't generally talk quite the way they do in the book, but I think it, it works. It's, it's, it's cleverly constructed and sufficiently well, you, swashbuckling. It. It's got pirates. It has pirates. And uh, he, I think Bruce enjoys the whores in the, the book. Who the are cartel. Quite Lots of whores. Lots of whores. Cartel. Yeah, it reflects... Bruce's sensibilities or lack of same, and depending on what you think of his sensibilities. I, I say sensibilities. Yeah, I, I, but I recommend it. I mean, it's fun reading. Well, I read the first chapter, and I do want to read it, but I also have trouble with, with the digital version. So, but here's here. I have well, good we're news, busy. Everybody. We're busy getting yeah, the book I have, done. Yeah, I have good news, everybody. Um, yesterday, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, I received the final edited two, copy two, two, two days ago. Two days. I received the final edited copy of, of, my, of the cover. No, oh. of the whole damn book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, Bruce, I wasn't that fond of the cover only because it looked like Ainsley was kind of like a little guy with a, with a J. Robert Nash mustache. <laughs> J. Robert no, Nash. that was the cartel. And oh. by the way, and that, by the way, that was that was um, based. I used Ruben as my model for that. Okay, well, it looked like Nash. No, no age age is six four, blonde, blue eyed. This was a five foot Mexican well, with right. a mustache. I know, and you did a great job. Wow, it's not of, stereotypical at all. Oh, he was uh, he was lampooned. Christ. He was lampooned literally and figuratively in Christ. the book in a nice way. But no, why why wouldn't Ainsley and his why wouldn't he be the the visual on the cover? Because I happened to do the car, I wanted to get the dung beetle, I wanted to get the cartel, and I wanted to get the pirates. I mean, I, I, I had it was a diverse storytelling uh, cover. It's not a, that was a very hard cover. It took me almost three weeks. I think if he'd looked more like Brad Pitt, more people would read it. <laughs> well, you, you might have something there. Yeah, he might, but that's the cover that's going to be there. Maybe Brad Pitt can play Ainsley in the movie version of this. And and if anyone would ever expect Bruce to do the cover that someone else wanted him to do, right. I think you can forget no, that. No, it would be pretty unlikely. Um, no, actually, Michael Shannon is tall enough to play the part. He would probably... Well, he's, he's, he's His hair's a little too dark. 
<laughs> they called. You ever hear of Hollywood? They make your hair change color. I think I think Brad Pitt would be perfect for their, if yeah. he's a good well, looking I'll talk. guy. Next time I see Brad, I'll I'll, I'll I'll give him a copy. No, just tell Shannon to reach out to Brad and see yeah, if he's interested. Send him a text. Well, I think Shannon would be insulted if I didn't ask him first. I passed him. All right. Um, so, uh... And, uh, by the way, it would be absolutely perfect for Netflix because the whole book is dialogue. All right, listen, we gotta, we you gotta know, turn... Now, hey, now we can turn this into a screenplay. Wait a minute, absolutely. Maybe that's the moment for Kevin Spacey's comeback. <laughs> I mean... Well, I'm a big fan of Kevin Spacey's. And with all the gay characters in the book, Kevin would fit right in along with some others. You know oh, who else? Oh, yeah, he'd be perfect for the especially... For the DEA guy. And you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to the sexual orientation of public figures, except if they're if they're hiding them, then then you have a lot of speculation. But on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, they had Ronan Farrow as the guest this past weekend. Was he wearing his lipstick? You know, a I didn't know he was gay. Not that I care, but he really is a funny guy. And for somebody doing such serious stories, for those who don't know, he he wrote the book on the Harvey Weinstein. Uh, sexual ex escapades, the scandal, and yeah. he, he broke the whole story. He's one of the main figures sparking the whole Me Too movement, and he, he, wrote, he wrote a brilliant book, and he's done lots of investigative work. He won the Pulitzer Prize, but he was the guest on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and he was hysterical. Yes. Really? Yes, but let's not, first of all, Woody Allen is technically, his. although I don't know if anybody's ever done DNA, but on the birth it says Woody Allen was his father and he got into Harvard at the age of like 15 or 16 so he's very he's a very bright guy he's a very talented guy but he also has an absolute insane asylum mother who when when uh, Woody started banging Soon Yi what's her name Soon Yi is that what her right name I don't remember her name Soon Yi Previn or something like that um, that Mia Farrell went batshit crazy. Now, part of that would be simply because she was getting one great part after another when he was putting her in all of his movies. But then Ronan, who was like only four at the time, that Mia decided to create this whole plot against Woody and say he was molesting one of the, the daughter, even though the oldest child, Moses, Moses Farrell, or whatever the fuck his name is, Moses said, she asked me to lie. She, and then she went, she took the girl down to the police station in this bumfuck little seashore to place somewhere out east and to ask them to, and told the, 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 Woody had molested her kid, and um, the kid said no. So she took the kid for ice cream and brought her back, and the kid said, yeah, daddy molested me. So, and Rona's just running with, I mean, he's basically destroyed Woody, Woody kept, I don't think they'll ever let him do another movie. It's 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 a tawdry family situation, but I'm just saying he's a very talented journalist. No, he's journalist. a very bright fellow. And he was a, and he was very funny on the show. Beyond that, whether he, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's had years well, of well, analysis and other so other forms of therapy to deal with two parents like no, that. No, he's as queer as a three dollar bill. There's no question about that. And, okay. it, but that's all. I was just mentioning you. Yeah, no, no. Not I, sure, I, I, not sure why. Um. No, I think it's I think it's pertinent. Oh, we're I mean, talking we, we're talking about. Blonde, blue-eyed yeah. <laughs> man, and Ronan is a whether it's girly, handsome, oh, or whatever you call. You know what? He looks like he does look a little like Sinatra, I don't but think he looks. I've ever seen a picture of him. Oh my God! You see, you talk about intellectual lack of curiosity. This kid's everywhere. 
He's a very handsome. I don't sit in front he, of my computer for 12 hours a day like you do. Some people would call him handsome. Some people would call him pretty. Yeah. But he's a remarkably wonderful features. You know, Mia Farrow's in a was yeah, attractive. Yeah, yeah. He he looks a lot like a male version of Mia. I don't think he looks enough like Woody. To, no, he, it's he, very suspicious. Yeah. Everybody said that Frank was banging her at the so, time. So, who knows? But anyway. But then if the kids are smart. He I wish pick, him the best. He didn't pick up going to Harvard at 16 from Mia or Frank Sinatra. So that's where I think that would be the suggestion. That so who do you think his dad is? Woody. Woody. You do? I think so. You don't think she could have an affair with some other random person? Yeah, but they're not that smart. Woody's smart. Woody's talented. All right, back to this book. And I don't think Woody would... You know, I mean, Woody's a very odd guy, but I, I mean, it's every time they've investigated this, they've just proven that Mia's a goddamn liar. She's a woman scorned, okay, which upsets me. <laughs> yeah, I can see how you'd be so upset about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the book has been uh, done. It's done being edited completely. So yeah, Andy, great. I'm going I have this, to. I have a great editor. She She's really. Great. I, my hat's off to her. So I'm What's her name? Give her a plug. Her name is Lauren Schultz. Lauren Schultz. And by the way, Gracie's going to be here Saturday oh, yeah, for books. a book signing. She's just done it, came out, come out with her third her third novel. What's the title of the, of the book? I forget. Well, I haven't, I, I'm looking forward to reading one of her books because I'm told it's good. And, you know. No, they're, they're great. But her books are, what are her books about? There's, they're, well, they're, they're like regular adventure mystery kind of novels except that they have werewolves and, and sounds like she supernatural type of the va- like the vampire diaries yeah, those sorts what was the, what, the twilight i don't know yeah. what the genre is called not, not the sort of genre i'd normally pick to no, read no, but I, no, I will read one of her books if yeah. i get if i get my hands on it i'll read it bruce read read them you said they were very good very uh i only got 80 pages to go very on, engaging. The, on the second one yeah it's quite I have, you have to take a look too. Now that I've done all my, I, after I painted the book cover, I returned to reading it. So now that the book is edited, this is now where I have to start working on getting it, pulling it together to get it published. And we got the, you got the painting done for the cover. So working on and getting you're, you're, Chad. Our, our cover guy Chad is deep sea diving. Scuba diving at the moment. Uh, but we're gonna all put it together. All the all the moving parts are happening, and uh, hopefully we'll get it out into the world. And then, by and then some intellectually curiosity people, other than people like you, will want to read it. We'll have it out into the world by March, I would say. No, so we'll have it out sooner than that. What the hell? I'm gone for two weeks in February. What you, all you have to do oh, is God. give me the goddamn. Oh Jesus Christ! Well, Clown can figure it out. Okay, <laughs> Clown, you're on. I'm um, the battling Bickersons. Uh, this is us. No, um, so anyway, for, I'm going for two weeks. Everybody Where the can, hell are you going for two weeks? I'm going to work for a week, and then I'm taking a week. Little, I'm taking a week off. Where are you taking a week off? I'll be in Mexico. I'm going to Mexico for a week. I'm taking a week off. Yes, you know this. I'll tell you what. If you get kidnapped, do not contact me. <laughs> And don't expect help from the cartel. Yeah, right. I have connections, um, yeah, but they're they're my enemies. Um. So yeah. So with Andy's rave review of this book, everybody should. Uh, I hope a lot of people order it for you. I wouldn't call it a rave. I would just say I was what unexpectedly. Do you, you wouldn't placed. call it a rave. I would say it was a rave. What? What? The, why are you backtracking? Well, I'll wait to see what the New York Times has to say. 
Andy, I truck you. I mean, what's I would recommend it. I listen, I've been reading a lot of fiction lately, and I found it as entertaining as most of the other books I've read, what which is saying a lot. What did you find more interesting and uh, more entertaining than my book? Well, I'm not saying they were more entertaining, but I'm reading the likes of uh, Patterson and uh, oh, Sanford oh, and Michael, Michael Conley and oh, Daniel Silva. And Those are just fucking commercial pop. Right. He's going to call it bubble gum in a minute. Very entertaining when you have nothing much to do. If you just look at the the uh, bestseller list of the New York Times, you just really, it's really you vomit in your mouth as you're going down that list. Okay. Well, with that with that endorsement of the New York Times, I'm sure he's going to. Uh, no, I'm, it's their bestseller. No, that's what the fucking rabble likes to read. That's all. I'm taking it up about five fucking notches. Actually, I'm reading a pretty serious, intense work of fiction by Donna Tartt, who was famous from a book she did like 20 years ago called Secret History. It was, it was about a group of uh, young kids at prep school, a little bit like Lord of the Flies, but much more intellectual. And this one um, has the name of a bird, and I'm forgetting the title. I'm about 200 pages in. It's 900 pages, and it's a really, really dense, intellectually challenging book. And I just finished the other one, uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, which I found very oh, that's, entertaining. That's, been a best, that's on number one for a long time That now. is very entertaining, and, and one of the things that's so good about it is it's unlike any book you have read or will read. It's, it's just very different. It's about a girl who essentially almost grows up almost like a southern version of Tarzan living alone in the swamps of South Carolina because she's abandoned by one parent and the other one dies and it's fascinating it's a fascinating character study and a great it's a mystery and a really fine book so I, I'd recommend that to anyone and the Donna Tartt book is challenging but interesting good to know have you ever read a book Liz? never Andy Liz. back to you Listen, I want to get your, um, I would like your opinion on the political landscape at the moment. Ooh, it's pretty bumpy, huh? Yes, and so this is your It's like area a Chicago alley loaded with potholes. I, I have to say one little thing before Andy gives us the, his wisdom, that he had made it, he's made a sharp turn to the right since I've known him, and I have never gotten an absolutely proper explanation for this. Okay, well, you want it? It's, yes. it's, it's not really a turn to the right. I think what happened was, having spent so many years of covering politicians and then working at the Better Government Association, the watchdog organization, I think the only way I got more conservative is I grew increasingly um, unhappy with government in general because it's so wasteful and inefficient and so corrupt. And as a result, um, I, 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 I fell far away from the old union-dominated liberal tropes of big government being the answer to social problems. A, I don't think it is, I don't think it has been, and I think that government should be shrunk to, its, to a size that makes it efficient and, and beneficial to people. I'm not a Tea Party guy. So I think the only thing that changed, Bruce, is I became more conservative on public tax dollar fiscal matters. I'm as socially progressive and liberal as I ever was, I just no longer have a lot of faith that politicians and elected officials will spend my and your and our tax dollars well, wisely and sensibly. Yeah. Everybody agrees with that. Well, so that's the only way I've changed. No, I, I, you were willing to give, you were willing to give. First of all, I remember very well us having a big argument 
when you were very, you were basically supported the invasion of Iraq, and I was going batshit crazy, insane, thinking that it would be what a, a total nightmare. Which of course it, I was, turned out to be correct too. Right. Well, I I don't even remember that one. You may be right. You have a good memory for people who make mistakes in their yes, judgment. I do. I tend not to ever this, forget this them. Well, I last time Andy. I last time I looked, it had a pretty major effect on a presidential campaign, like thir like eleven years ago when. Uh, Barack won in part because he was on the right side of that one, and, and Hillary, Hillary was, was on, on the wrong. wrong. And, and, and Joe Biden was on sure. the wrong also. Um, I don't remember being for it. I probably wasn't as vehemently opposed as people like Bruce, but of course, in retrospect, yeah, it you, was a you, horrible, horrible mistake. You weren't chased by the police. I remember the, some cop kept chasing me. I was in that big impromptu demonstration down Alder Drive, and so I it was get to the very end of it. We got to about Oak Street. And it kind of started to, and they had, I didn't know, they had arrested a bunch of demonstrators. But some University of Chicago type kid, skinny, beard, thick glasses, he jumps out in front of a police car. So there are four cops in the car. One of the cops jumps out and just whacks the shit out of him. So I said, you fucking gutless pile of shit. You're going to hit the kid weighs 50 fucking pounds. You know, why don't you pick on somebody you're... And so he says, hey, if you weren't so goddamn old, buddy, I would do this. I said, no, if I wasn't so goddamn old, we wouldn't have this conversation because I'd beat your fucking face in. So just then, this real stocky older cop comes out of the police car. Oh, says, well, he's not too fucking old for me. The motherfucker chases me all the way down. Well, I remember I got to, I think I got to about Dearborn, and there was this doorman. The guy, he's wearing, thank God the cop's wearing all of his shit, you know, all of his uh, body armor, etc. Yeah. So I can see he's, I'm, I'm, I'm beating him. So I get, I'm just staggering by this doorman, this black doorman, just rolling back, back and forth. And he goes, as I walk by, as I kind of stagger by in the trot, he goes, feet don't fail me now. And I started to laugh. And I almost lost it. And by the, well, by the time I got back to the alehouse, I couldn't walk right for like two weeks. <laughs> that, 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 took, that took a lot out of me. Well, ho hopefully I've disabused you of the notion that I've moved right. I've just, I've just no, gotten... No, you haven't because I'm going to bring up some new thing. Oh, God. When you were willing to give Trump a chance... Yeah, I think early on. Um, okay, I rest my case. But I will tell yeah, you. I don't think that's that's necessarily. That's a right. turn to the right. Come on, Andy's well, been around politics. Giving someone a chance just means that you want to see what they're going to do. I I never liked him. I never trusted him. I never thought he was presidential material. But I did have a. I had one rule of thumb. I said, as long as he doesn't send any young kids to their death like. Bush did in Iraq, and unfortunately, Barack continued for many more years in Iraq and Afghanistan, not that he put him there, but kept him there. I just felt that if he didn't put a lot of American boys in harm's way with a foolish war against North Korea or Iran or someone, then Which he, we by would, the way, he we'd, promised that survive, to do. Well, then we'd survive him, and I, I think that's all it was, that we could we can survive. The country is big enough and strong enough to survive any moron for one term. Now, two terms, is that'll be pressing it, because oh. I think that Trump Trump has Trump really begun the destruction of the civic fabric of this country, and that's, that's arguably the most dangerous thing. The second is that by 
talking about fake news every time people do actual news, what he's done is he's, he's made it very hard for regular people to figure out what's true and what isn't. And that's dangerous because if you don't think you can trust any news source, you're going to be subject to believing almost anything that anybody says. It's not that they necessarily believe Trump. But by him calling everything that's in the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN, by calling all of that fake news and lies, he, he just raises the question in people's minds, well, what can I believe? Well, and no, that's, that's a dangerous it. place to be. He, he, his, I mean, when you look at the history of, of right-wing fascist regimes, they just don't want anybody to believe anybody. I mean, that's just a total absence well, of belief. I mean, that's what, like, they're all sociopaths, right? In the sense where they basically just, you just keep telling yourself the same damn lies over and over again, and eventually well, it's the truth in that's, your mind. That's, of course, well, the, that's the, that's, big, that's, big lie, that's Gary, the big lie. That's the big lie. Garibles and uh, Hitler. Hitler. Now, I don't think, I don't compare Trump to them in terms of having that. Oh, he's uh, not that sophisticated. He doesn't, he's not, I don't think he's trying to exterminate millions of people, but, but I think his... What he, his tweets, his uncivil discourse, the, the name calling, it's, it's like a high school, it's, it's almost like a high school bully chasing around a lot of intellectual kids with glasses on. It's just, it's so unfathomable for a president to tweet like that and just behave like that. It's, it's, ap it's just destructive and dangerous. Well, we've had, I mean, the George Wallace, is, uh, we've had them. But the Republican, the big boy, the cock, the cock, Coke, uh, the Coke brothers, the um, Rockefeller type Republicans, have always kept them in check, and and now because of gerrymandering and all that, nobody has to be frightened of, of the big Wall Street Republicans anymore. As I, what what I think the the final straw was eight years of a of a of a smart hip cool black guy was way way too much for these for these loser white working class schlubs to handle and I, I had no idea there were so many of them <laughs> I know me either <laughs> well we'll see what happens uh, we have about 10 months until an election you have to see who the Democrats put out there uh, I would argue that it's going to be hard for Trump to win again on on his behavioral ten tendencies Unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but if the economy stays relatively strong and the stock market stays relatively high and we don't get into any crazy wars, um, he's going to have all the right ingredients for re-election because that is what tends to re-elect presidents, well, but Gore, we never had a Trump running for re-election. No, but Gore, Gore was riding a, a nice economy too, but we talk about a horrible candidate. And uh, well, and Hillary, Hillary, Hillary blew that too. So it, it can be done. right. The Democrats could actually hand it to Trump with the wrong candidate running the wrong race. And looking at the field now, that could easily happen. But Andy, based on your experience, who do you think the right candidate is? Well, I have a ticket that I think is electable, but it but it faces an argument from the left. And my ticket is Biden and Amy Klobuchar because what I do there. In that, with that ticket, Klobuchar spends the whole campaign in like five or six states. She spends the campaign in which, Michigan. Which is going to decide the election, those five states. Right. She spends the campaign in Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin primarily, but she also makes a couple trips to Oregon and Washington where well, they have similar and sorts Pens of Pennsylvania people. Pennsylvania. And, and well, that's where, and so Biden stays with his Irish Catholic faux working class type 
folks in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Virginia, the Carolinas, those places where, and Florida, we have a lot of older voters who probably would like an older candidate. So I think that he has a moderate platform. I don't think he scares people. Yeah, but the pro you know, I, I agree with you. And he won't inspire anybody. I, I'm just saying, Bruce, I see him as no, doing I, one term to calm I, things I, down. I agree yeah. with you. I think that'd be, and because it's, it's all going to be decided by five states. Right. I mean, that's where everybody's making their mistakes. That it's this is not a national election at this point. It's just these five goddamn states, right. and you've got you've got these blue collar, terrified, insecure, loser white men that might not be terrified of Biden and 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 Klobuchar. Right. He's he's he's, an, he's not an inspirational candidate. Well, I mean, if you want, so, he makes just some of the dumb things he said, like he would consider a Republican vice president. You don't need to say shit like that. That just makes the left go bad. He needs crazy. he needs to man up a bit because he's looked bad in debates and on the stump. It's it's not a complicated race. If you have a five things to say about yourself and five things to say about Trump, you should be able to make a case virtually everywhere because if you talk about Trump's if you talk about refusing to, to release tax returns, the lawsuits against him, the bankruptcies, the lies, um, the border, the kids in cages, there's so many things that you can basically pin on him. And, that and there'll be, be more. There's more on the way. Oh, and all the, you know, paying off Stormy Daniels and three marriages and multiple affairs. I mean, you should be able to really reverse a lot of those women who voted for Trump, a lot of college-educated men who did, and some of those blue-collar people who look at their own well-being or lack of well-being and say, wait a minute, you know, I know that the, the economy is supposed to be good, but it's the 1% that are benefiting the most, not me and my family. I'm still working two jobs and my kids are still strung out on something. I think the average American's aren't feeling that we're, we're much not, better. We're not talking about the average Americans, though. We're talking about a, a cult, about 43%. And I don't think there's anything, anything that he can do to, to lose them at this point. Well, 43% doesn't win the election, so if it, you're right, it, it then does, he loses. It does in an electoral college, especially if you can get a Tulsi Gabbard to run in there as a third uh, candidate, you know, a third-party candidate, something like that. I mean, because Hillary got three million more, yeah, I more votes, but she lost. And and if Biden Biden would only or Biden or whomever in in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and uh, Michigan, Trump went one. Th I, I'm not sure if he won Minnesota. He won Michigan, no, Wisconsin. No, he, he got by Wisconsin. 80, 80,000 votes in three states. I think, I'm sorry, Pennsylvania, Ohio was the third one. If you reversed 40,000 votes, 40,001, Hillary's the president. And so I just can't imagine that Biden or the Democrat can't turn that many people around to the I, Democratic side with a, moderate, with a moderate program. Here's where I think President Pissyface actually made a smart move by t going after Hunter Biden. Yes, I mean, it really was uh, a polarizing, but Hunter Biden is a flaming asshole. And it, this is an albatross that's really going to be tough for Biden to carry around on his back. And uh, it, it, it's, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I think the final deciding factor in that last election with Hillary, I was went to see the horrible, vile, 
loathsome Cub fans as they were preparing to see game one up at Wrigley Field. I wanted to go over with my own eyes. I walked over to Wrigley Field just to observe the lowest form of humanity. And so after I observed and I walked around, I went into a bar and I ordered a beer. And on TV, I saw James Comey, FBI director, and there were subtitles because it was real noisy in the bar. He's coming out saying, I'm reopening the, the uh, Clinton investigation. And I thought to myself, this is like 10 days before the election or whatever. What the, what am I observing right here? I was out there with the dregs of society. Now I'm looking at this, and I think what happened then, all the people that were going to hold their noses in Wisconsin and Michigan, that were going to hold their noses and vote for Hillary just said, oh boy, another four years of blowjobs and emails. No, I'm not voting. Well, I know, think they just stayed home. That was a big piece of it. Uh, the Clinton Foundation and the, the criticism there and Bill's behavior. Well, they, and Yeah, it was, it was all bad. And there was one other factor that's been written about recently that I found interesting that I didn't pay a lot of attention to, and that is if you look at the media, several of the male reporters and commentators who were hard on Hillary have lost their jobs because of their own bad behavior. Yeah, yeah what's that guy's Matt name? Lauer, Matt Lauer, yeah. Charlie... Uh, from Charlie Pete, Rose. Charlie Rose, Rose, Matt Lauer, and and uh, Halperin. Uh, oh, yeah, John Mark, Halperin. Mark Halperin. Mark, Mark Halperin. All three of them who lost their jobs because of bad behavior involving abusive women, all three of them were hard on Hillary in different ways. Charlie Rose in one of his interviews, um, Halperin in some of his anti-Clinton writings, and then the third one was Matt Lauer, who apparently was really oh, he, hard he, on he, Hillary. He, he worked her over real bad a the, couple The times. point being, there was enough between Hillary's campaign shortcomings, Bill's problems, the foundation problems. I think a lot of people also felt that the Clintons had this kind of smarmy sense of entitlement. The rules didn't apply to them. They were better than everybody else. And I think but that you're also, it never a, worked. But you're also describing Donald Trump. No, no, but, so but this is why I'm, Democrats I'm, are different than Republicans. Liberals are de uh, different than Republicans. Uh, and and even, though, even though Hunter Biden is an Achilles heel for Joe and why he was ever allowed or encouraged to take that job unbelievable, in Ukraine, unbelievable. The, the answer to that is you look at all of Trump's kids and you see a lot of entitlement there and a lot of people who were propped up through, the, through Trump's connections and things, and you can find a lot of stuff in that group of kids too if you want to play that game. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think or I don't want to think that this nepotism issue is going to be a game changer because it's very if you it's okay so you have one kid on one side but then you have three or four kids on the other side. I, I don't think that that's gonna be Well Andy Andy might remember this quote. Remember remember old man Daly? If you can't help your kids, yeah. you can kiss my mistletoe. That was a famous saying. Yeah, yeah. And, no, if you can't, yeah. He, he has all the, what do you mean, nepotism? You can't help your kid? I mean, it was like, of course I help my kid. What, what the hell? Guy, what do you think The I problem am? is Hunter Biden wasn't just helped. He shows no. up in the middle of this 
this cesspool of corruption and scandal, and it it, it undermines attempts to and, to, and not only to this, pin Trump down too badly. And not only this. this, the kid is banging very... the kid is banging his brother's widow before the brother's even in the ground, and and plus he got kicked out of the army reserve right. for so drugs. Oh, the, the kid's an asshole. It, He's it, a flaming it's, it's asshole. Not, it's not well balanced. And of well course balanced not, but there's a difference. See, this bothers Democrats. Where Republicans don't give a shit if Trump's kids are all out there killing exotic animals and and you know raping broads and I mean, that's there's a whole different thing. raping exotic animals <laughs> and yeah. I, and one yeah. of the problem the, the problem here is that the Democratic field has a lot of better candidates than Biden in the sense they have a, they have candidates who are much more intelligent much more progressive great ideas good long term solutions. Their hearts are in the right place when it comes to social and economic justice. The problem is they're, in my opinion, they're just too far left for moderate voters. Well, and well, I think that I think whether it's Warren or Bernie Sanders, Mayor, Mayor I think they Pete, hand it to Trump. Mayor Pete is right is 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 perfect if he wasn't goddamn gay and if black people would vote for him. He's well, the smartest, most personable do you, guy. Do you really think that uh, Bernie would hand it to Trump? Because I, I really think he's the best against him. No, no, no. I think he appeals to the same type people. Well, who voted for Trump. I'm, I'm not. I, I should. I should not be so. I shouldn't be so certain. I'm not saying that Warren or Bernie couldn't uh, be Bernie, Trump. Bernie, I, Bernie, Bernie might be able to more, win. I think. I just think they have a little more trouble in those in those demographic areas that you think. Now look, the other side of the argument. There's two schools of thought among the people who are pushing the Democratic Party. One is what I just said: you need a Biden to calm things down and work and work the industrial states. The other school of thought is you need a Warren or a Bernie to get people excited and get more kit, more young voters to the polls. The problem, what, that's don't what Barack you? Did. Yeah, yeah, the problem I mean, is that Bernie, is Bernie, that. but Bernie yeah. and Elizabeth don't really appeal to. African American voters no, and they, Biden has the don't. benefit of the Obama connection and so Biden is like Biden inherits an awful lot of those African American voters who remember him as Barack's I, vice I, president. I think any that helps. young kid with an IQ of over 100 wants wants to see Trump gone. I mean that that's uh, it's it's this is very complicated. But you take a guy like Buttigieg, there's no way he can get any black people to vote for and him. Bernie's, They're more homophobic than anybody. And Bernie's, I mean, Bernie's awfully old. He's like 77 now. Now, Biden's, He's Biden's almost, 76. But Bernie looks a lot older. Biden is a very youthful and... Um, and photogenic well, and 70 athletic, year old. 70 plus. There are all, I mean, Warren's 70, uh, Trump's 70, Biden's 70, Bernie's 70. I mean, this is... I'm 70. I, this is the, this is bullshit. I mean, come on. We got. I mean, how old was Barack? Like 40 something. Barack was, I think, 50. When he, Barack was the second young. I think JFK was the youngest, and Barack was second. Look, it's a funny era where you've got all these 70 plus people running for president. I look. I I could be dead wrong. I just told you what I think my ticket is. It's a combo ticket, and if Bernie or Elizabeth were to get the nomination, then they have to pick a VP candidate who can also help in some of those places where being excessively progressive isn't helpful. So I don't know how they do that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you what right now why Trump wants to run against Bernie, because they're keeping their they're really keeping quiet. I mean, other than throwing out a little socialist this, a little socialist that. That's all they're doing with him. But 
when he runs, if if it's if if Sanders is the candidate, it's going to be Jew, commie, Jew, commie. That's how these people think. That's how they behave, and that's how they go after him. Did you see uh, Trump's tweet yesterday? Putting uh, he, he the, tweeted, uh, he said, uh-huh. he, I heard crazy Bernie's leading in the polls. Uh, another another smart pick for the note for the note do nothing party. He goes, let's see what happens. Yeah. No, and he, Bernie tweeted back, or he goes, he, Trump says, what does this mean? And Bernie tweeted back, it means you're going to lose. <laughs> and yeah, he got, well, he also he said got he like, refused like to. He said he refused, he, he, he would refuse to debate Bernie. Oh, because yeah, well, he would lose. Yeah, well, you get Bernie kill him. Get Bernie, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a part of me. But who, who what, 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 and Biden is the only one that might have trouble debating him. From, I don't think anybody from a, else. From well, I think the, the trouble with Biden with him is I think Biden would try to beat him by being a tough guy like Trump. Doing I think he tried. Let's do push-ups right now. He's, here. Yeah, he's done that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just uh, traveling around. Like, did you see that push-ups thing? He yeah. challenged the guy to push-ups. Yeah. Call the guy fat. Yeah. I well, mean, what do you watch TV all day? I, I mean, What are you doing that for? If what Bernie, you? if Bernie drops down for fifty, he might yeah. have another heart attack. Yeah. So, look, I'd like to see Bernie. Sanders and Warren have a lot of energy, and so they're, they're fun to, to watch. They're going to have a little quarrel tomorrow. If if I was still at ABC covering. The campaign, I'd much rather have a Warren or Sanders because they're much more entertaining, much more enjoyable to watch. I'm just talking about who who has the best chance of winning. And we'll see. It's early. You know, handicapping 10 months before an election is really hard because elections, they turn on a dime. Things are going along and all of a sudden something happens. Look, Lori Lightfoot's a perfect example. Six months before the mayor's race, she's mired at like 2% in the polls. No one's ever heard of her. And then the feds creep up on Ed Burke. And then Tony Preckwinkle is connected to Ed Burke and Joe Berrios. And then there's campaign money. And all of a sudden, there seems to be a wave out there. She's the only candidate who is running on a reform ticket. And the beautiful thing that happens is the Irish feud actually decided the mayor's race. If you recall, Bill Daly was running, and he oh, was running. Was, I think he, he terrified He me. was oh. running pretty well, and then a guy named Jerry Joyce <clears throat> decided to run. Jerry Joyce is the son of Jeremiah Joyce, who was an insider friend of Rich Daly, and the Joyces go back a long way with the Daly's. Joyce, however, got jammed up in one of the corruption investigations, and Daly kind of dropped him from the inner circle, and he lost a big contract for food service of some sort at either Midway or O'Hare. And when Rom came in, Rom wouldn't give him the contract back. So he blamed the Dalys for costing him the contract, and as a result, his son ran against Bill Daly. And if you look at the vote totals in the Northwest and Southwest side wards where Bill Daly should have basically run the table. Jerry Joyce gets a ton of votes, pushes Bill Daly down far enough so that the two finalists are Preckwinkle and Lightfoot, whereas the finalists could have been Daly and Lightfoot or Daly and Preckwinkle. And I think, who knows, if it's Daly and Lightfoot, maybe she still wins. But she won more easily well, over I, I Tony Preckwinkle. I think it was Daly and Lightfoot. She probably would have lost. I mean, that that was so. The, Jerry Joyce elected Lightfoot, but Light. So all I'm saying is that that what's happening 11 months before an election may bear little resemblance to what well, happens. Well, I just think day. when a guy named with the middle name Hussein yeah. ends up being a black guy, 
ends up. I mean, if you would, I mean, the I don't know what the odds were, but good, good. good I mean, now it took a horrible economy and an unbelievably horrible candidate in McCain for for this to happen. But and oh, oh my, Sarah Palin too. And then God, God bless her. And then Jane Byrne, of course, back here defying the odds, and Harold Washington but, defying but, the but odds. But that was Richie. But that was Richie getting even too. There's another a, a situation of getting even. Because when he decides, she, I remember when Reiko wrote that great column, when Byrne took away all the 11th Ward, all their, all their stuff. And Reiko wrote, what are you doing? Let them alone. They're, not, they're no threat to you right now. Why would you do this? Forcing the, the village idiot, Richie, to run against her, and Harold walk, just walks in. It was a thing of beauty. I made a fortune on that, betting all these goddamn racists on North Avenue. And that's why I tried to figure out what's going to happen. I mean, Bloomberg is going to spend $100 million on this race. And he promises to keep spending after, even if he's not the guy. And there's a there's a one school of thought is that you're going to have a brokered convention with so many candidates splitting up the well, vote, you may not have anybody with enough delegates to win. And there's fat-ass Hillary is going to step right in there if they get into a brokered well, convention. Well, anyway, it could be a, it'll be a fun year, and once again, I will miss out on covering it. Yeah, you know, Andy, that's yeah, my question just, it's hard Hang for me to forgive second. you, Andy. Andy, watching fact, this political circus, and you're sitting there at home, are you like, are you sitting there saying, oh man, I wish I was back in there covering this stuff, or are you more like, thank God I'm not No, doing Andy this shit. was one of the, Andy's legendary in I'm those I'm asking things. Andy. I'm telling you. When he was doing conventions, he was a legend. You don't He'd know what's going face. on in his head right I now. I know what's going on in his head. Of course, he misses it. Well, I answer. I've only asked. I've only been asked that question a hundred times, and I've got the same answer every time. I miss the fun of the broadcast part, but it was the sixteen-hour workdays that eventually wore me down. The stories you put on television, you don't just show up at the studio five minutes before airtime. Yeah. I mean, those stories took a full day of phone calls and later on emails and texts and covering things and writing the script and going in the editing room and then getting yourself together for doing live or whatever. It was great fun. I loved every minute of it, but it does wear you out. And I'll, I did 12,000 stories. That's an honest number. At Channel 5 and Channel 7, I was on TV for 33 years and I did a total of 12,000 stories. I, I didn't count them one by one. I sort of figured how many I did a week and then did the multiplication. I don't say that to impress you. I say that because it eventually wore me down. You get tired. Yeah, and I got tired. And so even today, do I miss being in the middle of a scrum with Trump or anyone else? Yes, I miss some of the fun of it and the broadcasting. But would I want to be working 16-hour days, five or six days a week, non-stop? No. That, I'm glad to be done with that part, and that's why I left. I left because I had to get off the merry-go-round. Well, and you didn't have to leave so soon. Yeah, I probably could have gone 10 more years, but, you know, my dear wife thought I was, you know, going to drop dead of a heart attack one day if I kept working under all that pressure. I don't think that would have happened, but anyway, it is what it is. To you and Kate talk about this stuff on a regular basis? Uh, not very much. Uh, interestingly enough, we talk... And I don't, Mention who his son oh, and, was. And Kate is married to a guy who does cable news. His name is Chris Hayes. He has a show on MSNBC. 
we talk a little about this stuff, and I text Chris with certain thoughts and ideas just because I want to put things in his head, which he is kind, he receives them kindly, and then probably ignores them. <laughs> but we don't talk that much about that stuff when I'm with them because we're mostly focused on the kids. Yeah. And they're mostly focused on the kids. And so I also think that when they're, when they're, when they're, when he's off the air and she's away from this stuff, I think it's kind of nice not to make them relive all those, all those work well, it's times. Work, yeah. We do talk about some of it, but not as much as you'd expect. Sure. I'll tell you, it was a very big adjustment for Andy when he became no longer was the most famous guy in the family. Well, I like that. I used, you know, for all these years, I don't think he liked for for years and years. Chris Hayes was Andy Shaw's son-in-law, and then the last decade, <laughs> yeah. I've been Chris Hayes' father-in-law, and yeah. I think that's great. That's what you're supposed to pass the mantle, right? Yeah, but reluctantly. Hey, so nah. last night, last night, um, I saw. I went to see Bombshell, which is about the Fox News scandal with Megyn Kelly and Gretchen oh, Carlson. Oh, okay. And let me tell you that that movie was really freaking good. You guys have to go see that. Andy, you of all people, I think need to go check it out. Who, who plays and Roger I, Ailes? Uh, Jim, uh, John Lithgow. Who? John Lithgow. Oh, he plays right. Yeah, he's so good. I've I've heard good things about it. It may not be exactly the way things went down, but but sure. thema thematically Hollywood. it's close, and I can't. I will. I will definitely see it. I'm looking forward well, to it. it, it um, show to show or one of those did a thing, a series on that. With, and the guy from what's the guy from uh, Australia, that uh, real famous. Actor from us, male actor from Australia. Oh. Uh, no, no. Mel's the old one. But he played Roger a, Ailes, and he was really good. Wait, he played Roger Ailes on in a different version. Yeah. Oh, I know you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he plays. Was he in the Gladiator? Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Crow. 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 Yeah. He was terrific. That was Roger supposed to have been Ailes. very good. Oh, it was excellent. I didn't see that one, but the go see Bombshell. It's kind of interesting. Megan Kelly, in an interview, said that no one ever consulted her in the making of the movie. In You're other kidding. words, they never had a conversation with her. Now they took big chunks of the movie from her book, uh -huh. in which she detailed this pretty pretty thoroughly. They must have just used the material in the book, as if they were talking to her. But she did find That's it a little strange that they would do a movie remember, in which she was the main character. Remember when she said Santa? Was it, she was really kind of just well, she, play, she crashed, a game with. She crashed. Yeah, she oh, crashed hard. But she said, "Remember when she said Santa? Everybody knows. Everybody knows Santa Claus is white." Yeah, yeah, that was you that know, was that was, what, that was her downfall. Right. But I, I I read that she uh, is going to be back on TV soon. She's got something going on. Uh, I, I, it may be on. It may be on. It may be digital. She's got some sort of digital presence. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, where does she go? Because what what niche does she fill? She's no. she's got that hard right reputation, but then she tried to play a little bit of a liberal and yeah, she, it, wasn't, well, it, she wasn't selling it. TV is very forgiving. Keith Olber Keith Olbermann, who was one oh, of the most difficult human beings on the air, got fired multiple times and always bounced back because he's talented. Now Megan is not as talented as Keith, but she's got some some abilities and you know. Nowadays, there are, unlike what Thomas Mann said, there are, you can go home again. There are many seconds. You're talking about Tom Wolf. Tom, Thomas Mann said you can you can't Thomas, go home again. Thomas Wolf. Yeah. Thomas Wolf. Thomas Wolf. Not Thomas Mann. Thomas Wolf, the guy that wrote. Uh, he Bonfire was from the Asheville. Vanities? No, that's Tom Wolf. Oh, I'm sorry. Thomas Wolf is. Uh, I, th I think it's Thomas, but in any event, in that, or was it Fitzgerald who said there are no second acts? That was Fitzgerald. That was in Gatsby. 
There are second acts, and you can go home again. In other words, this is a world Thomas in which... Thomas Wolfe wrote The Homeward Angel. Okay. You're, thank you. I will, I will always defer to you on literary matters. Well, not always. I mean, if you're reading... I'm not with bestseller shit. I don't know that. I just know the, the great books, that's all. But, I, but, what I, but, but you can frequently bounce back in this world. Um, in fact, if you apologize and come... Very often you come back bigger than you were well, before. Well, is Kevin Spacey going to be able to come back? Oh, my God. I don't know. I think, I think a, actual physical abuse of someone may be more difficult than saying the wrong thing. I mean, Megan Kelly was never accused of abusing anyone. She made a couple stupid comments, as have others. Laura Logan lost her job at 60 Minutes for being too outspoken on some things in Afghanistan. It's easy to lose your job for saying the wrong thing, but you get it back. Some of the abuse stuff is, I don't know the answer to that. You know, I'd actually be interested in, get, in getting uh, Chris's opinion about this, too, because he's obviously in that world, right? Uh, but the opinion about the movie, um, by the way. I will be out there next week, and if, because of the impeachment trial next week, it's expected that whatever lengthy, whatever it's one day or five days, it'll be next week. And I have been recruited to go out and help with the kids because both Kate and Chris will be really busy with TV yep. stuff. So I will ask them about that. I don't think they've yeah. seen Bombshell. Again, with three kids and busy jobs, there, aren't, there isn't that much time. I think they took the kids to Frozen 2. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the Star Wars movie. That's what you do with your children. Right, you don't right, take them right, to Bombshell. Right. Well, I'll give them a date night. A maybe they'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like but you to do. You need a date night when you have kids. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you need lots of date nights. Well, what I mean is, you need a date night to go see an adult movie. Yeah. Otherwise, it's. I've seen every. How old are the kids? Eight, five, and two. And I've taken. You know what? That's one busy. of the great. One of the great joys of grandchildren is I've seen all these great kid movies, which I absolutely love. What's I still your favorite cry. Favorite kid movie. I still cry at Wizard of Oz. I still cry in but Charlotte's but you, Web. But you saw those when you were a kid. Yeah, but I. There's just when when. At the end of The Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy's back home and all the characters are on the bed, it just, and when Charlotte's dying in Charlotte's Web and yeah. Frozen and Moana, the, you know, the heroic. Moana's good. Yeah, the heroism of Mara Moana. I just, I just find myself weep, getting weepy, which is pretty pathetic, but I do. And yeah, those kid movies are, have merit to them. Oh, I think the, they're incredibly done. Animated movies nowadays just defy belief. They're so good. So good. Um, Andy, any last things you want to chat with us about tonight that we haven't covered? Let's see. We talked about the election, Bruce's book. Um, I think Bruce. we're doing pretty good. It's been a nice winter. Um, Bruce and I had some nice golf outings since the last time I did the podcast. He's a very patient instructor for a very poor pupil. Bruce, of course, as many people know, has a wonderful golf swing and still hits is the Andy ball beautifully at his age. Bruce? For his, he hits yeah, the Yeah, I'll tell you, here's a problem. When I, Andy, when I started teaching Andy, I say, now, Andy, when you go out and play, you're going to beat up all kinds of idiots, and they're going to tell you, don't, just do what I tell you. Just don't change. And the next time I'd see Andy, he said, well, some guy told me if I twirled my right <laughs> yeah. elbow and, and I twitched my ear and, you know, stuck my nose up at a 30-degree angle. The guy who said, click your heels together and the ball will go in the hole, you know, that was really lame. But... Anyway, so there's no yes, place he, he, like a birdie. There's no he, he place disregard, like a birdie. He disregard. So he is. A, he's a troublesome pupil. But actually, but uh, he is getting better. He's no, getting better. I had a hip replacement 
four years ago, and that threw me off too well, because that's it, because the right hip is extremely that throws important. Up, yeah, it was the right hip and it, your balance and your pivot. It threw it threw a lot of stuff back. But in the last couple of months, I think I've gotten a decent swing back. So I'm looking forward to warm weather. So Bruce and well, I can Well, by the way, the they showed on the news somebody snuck a camera somewhere. And Tiger Woods's ten-year-old kid. They showed him swing. The kid's got an unbelievable. Oh, he's got swing. Tiger's swing, and he's ten years old. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh, so he's, well, his father used to just bounce golf balls off his head in a garage, teaching Tiger how to play. So, uh, well, it's not accidental if you look at sports. There must be a hundred people playing various professional sports whose fathers, or in some cases whose mothers, were professional athletes. It's not. It's a. It, it really helps you understand the importance of genetics when genetics it comes really, to... I mean, Michael Jordan made a colossal mistake when he started knocking up a short woman. He should have found himself a nice six-foot uh, woman, uh, regardless of race. Because those kids were just all good players, but they were way too short. Yeah, LeBron, LeBron's kid's pretty good. How tall is LeBron's? Well, uh, but he's only a freshman. He's starting on the high school team. And, oh, he is on yeah, high school. They well, actually televise his... But all of Jordan's, that's so much pressure. Jordan, Jordan's Jesus kids, Christ. well, yeah, when you're Michael Jordan's kid. Fuck. Yeah. God. Yeah. LeBron James' kid. Well, a lot of these kids end up in professional sports, but rarely do they. You, Walter Payton had a kid who was a decent. Jarrett, right? He was a pretty good football player. Yeah. And now he's a broadcaster, and I think the daughter played a sport. There are an awful lot of people in the, I think I this Patrick Mahone's who makes people cringe every time they think about Trubisky, Trubisky being chosen. Yeah. Um, he's the son of a major league baseball pitcher, yeah, something Mahomes. Yeah, for the Yankees. I didn't. Even, I'd never even yeah. heard of the guy. So he obviously wasn't that good. We're, we're, we can all agree genetics are very important. The kid, the and dad. environment too, because I mean, having you know Tiger Woods teach you is an advantage. Yeah, um, Nick Claus's kids all just kind of were okay. Well, you know what it does too, like Steph Curry. His dad was a. Oh, his was dad good. was an all pro. Oh, but his dad was. But you know what it, it does to these kids too? They grow up around the NBA environment. They're not intimidated by it, and they learn how to do stuff. They learn how to market. Well, you also learn. Or, you also yeah. learn how to have that dedication and that yeah. and that that work ethic. To you know, you got to practice, practice, practice. And somebody is giving you pretty good tips right. from the get go. Yeah. Oh, are they? Ever. I think the tips Tiger is giving his kid are probably better than almost anybody can give a child. So. They're getting yeah, these. It, yeah, but I mean, Nicholas's kids don't look like Tiger's kid. I mean, the kid is just. I mean, he he turns his shoulders so. I mean, for a ten-year-old, it's really quite impressive. I mean, Nicholas was just butt ugly, creepy teenagers when I first saw him. He had a huge fat ass, but but he could you know because of that he could really you know his ab, uh, fast muscles, his abdominals were good. He could hit the ball a mile. But he was a grotesque-looking thing, and um, and then when he lost weight, he they finally said, you know, we can't even market you. You're such a fat pig. Your your pockets, his his front pockets, were just <laughs> wide open. I mean, you see him waddling down the fairway, you know. And he only won eighty. When he went eighty tournaments? No, uh, 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 I don't think he's got eighty. I mean, t Tiger. I think he had sixties. I mean, his. Uh, <laughs> well, he ain't bad for a no, fat but, ass. No, but no, no, he was very good. But what happened was when they decided to um, take knock knock off thirty pounds so that he for cosmetic reasons he can never hit the ball as far. Charles Barkley got a lot of mileage out of a fat ass. Yes, he did. Well, you know what he did? I met him. 
and the, his secret was his legs were really long and his torso was, was short. Oh, okay. And when I, he's only 6'4". Who's Barkley? Yeah, and I stood yeah next, he's that tall. I stood next to him, and his butt hits you right here. <laughs> so what he would do is he would just... Yeah. The middle yeah. of your chest. His butt would hit people's chest, and there's no way... You know, there's no way you can defend against that. That's no, good. No, no right. he, he really was. What was he, the round mound lucky. of rebound? The he round used, mound of rebound. That's lucky. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, um, it has been a pleasure to chat with you this evening. Andy, love having you here. My pleasure, always fun. Uh, uh, I'd like to have you back again, maybe uh, in, in a few months, to do another reassessment of what's happening. Yeah, let's update the political. Actually, yeah. we've, we'll be well into the primary season. Maybe we have a nominee by then. Be, be more than yeah. happy to. All right. You're going to run out of uh, miscreants, and you'll need me back at some point. <laughs> well, often it's just uh, Bruce and I yelling at each other anyway. So. Well, that's your naturals at that. <laughs> <laughs> Liz, um, don't take his shit. I, I, I don't. I just let him have his little I, I moments. Try, I try to be a, his geriatric moments. I try to be a role then. model for him, but I, <laughs> I don't think it's working. I where, mean, I'm pretty grouchy every now and then. I'm pretty. Uh, where would you be without her technical assistance? Well, what, well, you know what? We'd have two Dixie cups and a string if we didn't have if we didn't have clown. He's not wrong. And it's nice of Clown to come out of semi-retirement. Yeah, I know. This is really considering special. Considering the treatment Clown was somewhat was occasionally <laughs> subjected to in the blog, I'm surprised he's doing anything of a charitable nature. And I didn't Listen. deserve any of it. <laughs> None of no, us he, do. No, based, on conversa based on conversations I've had with Bruce, based on conversations I've overheard Bruce having, based on the blog and based on you two, it's fair to say that all three of us have been the punching bag. In some way, shape, or form. I guess that's a badge of distinction to end the segment. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I like you know it is. That's what a real it is. tribute. If he spells your name right, it's okay. <laughs> you think that's our title, punching bags? <laughs> yeah, I like that. No, no, we'll get Andy. With Andy's Andy Shaw, name. Andy. Bags with Andy oh, yeah, Shaw, punching bags at Andy Shaw. Oh yeah, that's right. We always name them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The guest after the guest. All right, we'll, we'll say punching bag for another time. <laughs> Andy, thanks again for joining us. Yes, thank My you, pleasure. Andy. Happy New Year. Have a wonderful 2020, and we'll do this again. You too. Clown, thanks for uh, producing the show as always. Genius. Say goodnight, genius. Goodnight, genius. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.